why do a Passover? Um, if I can get that first slide. Because as Christians, you know, this is a Jewish thing. It was something they did in the Old Testament. Volume down a little? Or do I need to move this? Is that better? As Christians, we wonder, well, this is, this is kind of a Jewish thing. Why would we do this? Um, well, we look at Colossians. Paul's talking to the Colossians about the way they're doing things and legalism and foods and whether they're going to eat kosher or not. And he makes this statement, let no one judge you in the food or the drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. So he's not saying stop. He's saying let's not get caught up in the legalism. Let's not judge each other on how we're doing it, but let's do it. And then he continues and says, which are the shadows of things to come but the substance in Christ. And the statement Paul's making is that not only the festivals foreshadowing some things, but they all foreshadow Christ in some way. And so that's one reason why we do this is because there's an aspect that tells us more about Christ why we'd want to do this. Next slide. In Exodus 12:14, when the Lord instituted the Passover, it says, So this day shall be to you a memorial. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Now, depending on the translation you're looking at, it may say to do this forever. Some say for all of time. But the point is, it doesn't have a place where you stop. And it's something to continue to do. And since God knew beforehand that these were going to be about Christ, he, didn't, he could have said until Messiah comes. But he didn't. He said it was an everlasting ordinance to keep forever. Next, uh, in Acts, there's a... Next slide. Oh, got it. Uh, the council in Ju- Jerusalem... After the resurrection, the church has been formed. They're deciding there's Gentiles that want to come into the faith. And they're having a debate on what they should make the Gentiles do or whether or not they should even let them in the faith or they should make them become Jewish. And they come to a decision. They say, therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those who are among the Gentiles, who are turning to God, but that, they, that we may write to them to abstain from polluted idols from sexual immorality, from things strangled, from the blood. For Moses has throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. So they have this discussion, and, and the decision is to let the Gentiles be part of the faith. And they just have to do these things. They don't have to convert to Judaism. But they can be a part of the faith. And later we read in the scriptures that the, that, the, that the Christian is grafted into the Jewish family. So part of the reason we would do a Passover feast is because we want to know about our heritage. If we're grafted into the Jewish family, and since Jesus was a Jew himself, knowing about these festivals will tell us about more about what we believe as Christians. And we're going to see that there's a lot of information about Jesus in this meal. Next slide. 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, 
He gave thanks. He broke it. He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, the last, he's referring to the Last Supper, and everybody knows about the Last Supper. But the Last Supper actually was a Passover feast. And the Lord himself longed to do the Passover. It was something he desired to do because it has very important meaning and symbolism. And what we're going to find out is that the Passover was for the whole family. Um, another reason why I want to do it is it includes everybody. It includes the women, it includes the men, it includes the children. It's a, it teaches about history and it foreshadows about the future. And we're going to find that all the festivals, the Passover is one of many festivals in the Jewish cycle. Also, in Matthew 12.8, do we got that one? Oh, we skipped that one. It says that the Sabbath was made for man. And so these festivals were made for mankind, the Sabbath and the festivals. There's a purpose. We may not always know exactly what they all are, but they were made for us for a reason. Okay, it gives us greater understanding and knowledge about what our faith is based on if we know a little bit about the Jewish festivals. In this uh, next slide, as we're reading scriptures, there's quite often words that are in scriptures that sound good to us, but they don't have deep meaning. Unless we understand a little bit about the Passovers or the first fruits. Here in 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he, and he says, Therefore put out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you are truly unleavened. For indeed, Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Now, if we know a little bit about the Passover and the Passover lamb, and that Christ ended up fulfilling all the requirements of the Passover lamb, then the verse begins to mean more to us as we read the scriptures about Christ, our Passover sacrifice for us. And we also see that Paul is beginning to show the people, hey, you guys do the Passover. You've been doing it for thousands of years. Let me show you that Christ really was the substance of the Passover. So as we read this, he's beginning to show the Jews that, that the stuff they've been doing really points towards the Lord. And these are the kinds of things that when he would go into a city and those Jews that would believe would understand this. The next verse 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. If you don't know that there's a first fruits festival, then that might not make sense what that means. But there's a festival, and it's actually part of the Passover festival called First Fruits. And it's all about the resurrection, it's all about giving to God the first fruits. And, the, and we've been celebrating, the Jews celebrated that for thousands of years before Christ was crucified. And the interesting thing about the Jewish festivals is the Passover always starts on the 14th of Nisan, which is the Jewish calendar. And then the Day of Unleavened Bread starts on the next day. But first fruits always follows the first Sabbath of the Passover, which means it's always on a Sunday. So... Part of the reason the Christian church celebrates on a Sunday is because of the resurrection of Christ on the day of first fruits. And then you have 50 days later, you have the, 
day of Pentecost. Now, all four of these festivals are tied together. So when you're reading through the scriptures, you may, you may read, and it was about Passover, or it might have been the day of unleavened bread. It's sort of like what we do with Christmas. You know, if I say I'm going to go see my relatives for Christmas, does that mean I'm going on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, Christmas week, the month of December, the 12 days of Christmas, over the New Year's holiday? We use a lot of different words to mean a lot of different things. And the same thing goes on in the scriptures when they talk about the day of unleavened bread and the day of the Passover. And so it gets a little hard for us to kind of comprehend exactly what day. But there is an order to it. And so when they're talking about the day of unleavened bread, they're also talking about the day that they they kill the lambs. That's also part of Passover because these festivals also overlap each other. It's interesting that in the year that Christ was crucified and resurrected, just a piece of information, is that Christ actually was crucified on the day of Passover, which was the, for, which was the festival that foreshadowed Christ's death. He was resurrected, or his body went in the tomb on the day of unleavened bread. He was resurrected on the first day of first fruits, and the Holy Spirit arrived on the first day of Pentecost. Now, I don't know when Paul talks about the foreshadowing of the festivals, and, the re- and these are were rehearsal events. There's, as you can see, there's scripts on the table these are scripted meals so that they would be able to see when the Lord came exactly what he was doing. Now, if I could get the next slide. All right. And, okay, is, is there another one with the doorpost? There we go. All right. Part of the Passover, uh, the original Passover, is they were... This was one of the plagues of Egypt, the last plague. They were to eat it standing up, getting ready to go, because God was going to deliver them. And they were to take a lamb, keep it in the house for four days, check to make sure it was without blemish, examine it. You know, and I'm sure that if you kept a lamb in your house with your kids, that people were going to be hugging on it and petting it and feeding it. And then you had to kill it. Okay? And that was to show people that there was a real price to pay for some of this stuff that something dear to you is going to sin cost something. And they would go out and often ride out the doorstep where, where the drains and stuff would be and kill the lamb right there. And then they, they were told to mark the two doorposts and the lintel. Now, what's interesting in the Jewish culture that, the, that they would have not just put a smear mark. They would have used one of the letters of the alphabet. And the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet is the letter Tav, and in ancient Hebrew, the way they would make a letter Tav is they would take two sticks and they'd put it together. And that meant God's mark. Two sticks, they formed a cross. It was God's mark in the Old Testament. And we see in other places where Cain's marked or in Ezekiel 9.4 where they're marked. And according to the Jewish rabbis um, in their commentaries, they all believe that, that those marks were all the letter Tav. Because that was God's mark, and that was the way they believed that God would mark something, was with that letter saying, this is mine. And so when they would take the lamb's blood, they would put a tav on each doorpost on the lintel in the form of a cross. So if you begin to see the foreshadowing here, you have three crosses over the door in the lamb's blood, And then all who would enter through that door, whether they were Israelite or Egyptian, would be 
saved from the death of the plague that was coming. They were all saved from that. Next slide, please. And and Jesus begins to make a statement at one of the Passovers. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. I will go in and out and find and find find pastures. Okay. He says this at a Passover time. I am the door. He's referring back to that and he's foreshadowing that he is that every element of the Passover points towards Christ. And um, what do we have in the next one? What's interesting, we find out about what Jesus did, and, and this is another interesting thing about the way the Lord does stuff. If you begin to look at a lot of the events that occur in Scripture, we don't really grasp it. Sometimes we'll say on the 10th month, on the 5th day, this happened. On the 7th month, on the 3rd day, this happened. If you begin to look at that, a large majority of the events occur on a couple of specific days throughout the years, and it usually relates to a festival holiday. And so if we look at just uh, the Passovers, primarily looking in the book of John, Jesus in his ministry went to three Passovers before his crucifixion, and obviously the last Passover was the Last Supper. But he cleansed the temple, he destroyed, um, he made the statement, destroy this temple, in three days I'll build again. He had the conversation with Nicodemus on the first of his three Passovers. The second Passover, he fed the 5,000. He made the statement about the bread from heaven. He made the statement about being the bread of life. He made the statement about eating his flesh. On the third Passover, he washed the disciples' feet, had the last supper, new covenant, a new command about love, talked about preparing a place for us, the new Jerusalem, and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. It's interesting that all those things occurred on or near the Passover. Um, and so in this statement, Jesus makes, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give, the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews there for quarreled amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless you eat eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last days. Now that sounds like a pretty harsh statement. If if, If you're just sitting in the crowd there, But what Jesus is doing is he's comparing himself to the elements of the Passover supper. I am the bread, the bread of life, the matzah. They were required to eat the Passover lamb, all of it. He's talking about his flesh. You must eat my flesh, the Passover lamb. We drink the cups, which represents the blood of the lamb. You must drink my blood. See, this is what Jesus was referring to. He was trying to get people to see that he was the fulfillment of the Passover Seder Supper. And that's one of the reasons why he longed so much to do it with his disciples, because it meant so much. And then it was at that Passover, the Last Supper, that he began to explain the covenant, the new covenant, which has become our communion. Our communion is based on the Passover Supper. So when we do the Lord's Supper on Sunday mornings, 
we're told that this is an extension of the Passover supper where Jesus made the new covenant. Are there any more slides? All right. That's, that concludes just kind of the introduction of why we would do a Passover as a Christian church, why, what, we can, what we can glean from this. Now what we're going to do is on the tables, there's, there's scripted manuals, and we're going to go through this. Notice that we have a table up here set, and we're going to do some things up here. We have, a, we have a seat for Elijah, and we'll explain that a little bit later. On every table, you have a place setting, and I also have a, um, a chart up here if later you want to come up and look some more. Let me get one of these. Pardon me? Yeah, well. And again, this, this has a lot to do with family, and everyone gets to participate. The... Um, we will be using a little bit of Hebrew. I will. I probably won't do it very well, so you'll have to forgive me for that. But for, when we initially, the first thing we do is we do. We're going to light the candle and say a blessing. And so the leader, and I guess we can go to the next slide because we're going to have some similar slides. One more. One more. Hmm. Okay, we're looking for where it starts the uh, the order. This looks like the old Old Testament background. Um. Anyways, we'll, we're going to start with the lighting of the candle, and this is how a Passover seder. Are we okay? All right. This is how a Passover seder would start, and the leader would read: As we kindle the festival lights, we pray for the illumination of the Spirit of God to bring great personal meaning to this, our Passover celebration. And Deborah is going to come up and light our candles and say our blessing. Tell you what, we'll do it this way. Baruch Ata Adonai El Heno Meleke Aham Ashar Hikushu Hibiveru Unshar Arkanvanu Marklim Honarot Shel Yamtav. Blessed art thou, O God, our Lord. Maker of the universe, King of heaven. And it's by your word that we come before you tonight and we light and celebrate the festival. Thank you, Deborah. As the light for this festival of redemption is kindled by the hand of the woman, we remember our Redeemer, the light of the world that came into the world as the promised seed of the woman. Now we're going to have the four cups. So what we need to do at each table, there should be some cups. We'll distribute those around and put a little grape juice in each one, not a lot. Because we're going to do this four times. And while we're doing that, I'm going to read a little bit about this. 
Ah, you found it. Skip to the next slide real quick. We'll just read it out. That'll work. I was looking for the response, people's response, but it may not be there. It's okay. We got the we got the books. Now, while we're doing this, this, by the way, is a very casual, and, and a lot of the Passovers can be done quite differently. Um, you might see some places that do it very formally and some that do it very laid back. The, um, there's only three, there's three elements required to do a true Passover, and that is uh, a Passover sacrifice, the matzah bread, and the bitter herbs. And if you have those three, you can do the Passover. There's a lot of flexibility in the order. Um, so we're just going to be real laid back tonight. Okay, and if you should have your script books, I'm going to read the, you're on page six, I'm going to read the leader and then we're all going to read the second part together. After the Lord spoke these words of encouragement to Moses, he revealed to his servant the plan by which he would redeem the children of Israel. And we all read, I will bring you out of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves. I will redeem you from the outstretched arms. I will take away my own people. I will be your God. At the Passover, we celebrate the promises of redemption and the relationship by drinking from the cups of four times. With each cup, let us remember the union that God desires. The first cup... Let us lift our cups. It's called the cup of sanctification. So I lift our cup and bless the Lord. Blessed are you, O Lord God, ruler of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. And we all drink. At this time... This time, he, at his final seder, Yeshua Messiah shared the cup with his disciples and said to them, "Is that better? Is that better, Joe? Okay." Yeshua Messiah shared the cup with his disciples and said to them, "Take this, divide this amongst you. For I tell you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes." All right, and if you want to go ahead and start pouring for the second cup, which most of you have, but, but don't drink from the second cup yet. All right. The next part is a ceremonial washing, which I knew I forgot something, is a ceremonial washing, which we're not going to do. We're going to skip that part. The um, parsley. Now, if you notice in the center of the table, there's some parsley. Parsley. 
Everybody take a little piece of the parsley. Let me have a little piece. All right. You take the parsley. I got a piece. Passover is a holiday that comes in the springtime when the earth becomes green with light. This vegetable called carpus represents life, created and sustained by Almighty God. And we have the salt water, and if you'll see in the middle of each table, there's a bowl of salt water. But in Egypt, the life, but in Egypt for the children of Israel, it was a life of pain, suffering, and tears represented by this salt water that you see in the middle of the table. Let each of us let let us take a sprig of parsley, dip it into the salt water, remembering the life is sometimes immersed in tears. So everybody take the parsley, immerse it into the salt water. Blessed are you, O Lord God, ruler of the universe who creates the fruit of the earth. Now, let us eat the carpets. So everybody take a bite of the parsley once it's been dipped in the salt water. Yes, bitter. You all right? Use a paper towel. All right. Yes, did you not have some iced tea? <laughs> Here, you need some iced tea? Okay. Lydia, Becky? Let's see. Now we do what's called the four questions. Hold on and this is where the this is part this is a requirement the kids do at every Passover as they ask these questions. Who's going first? On all other nights we eat bread and matzah. On this night, why do we only eat matzah? On all other nights we eat all kinds of vegetables. On this night, why do we only eat bitter herbs? On all other nights we dip our we do not dip our vegetables even once. On this night, why do we dip them twice? On all other nights, we eat our meals sitting or reclining. On this night, why do we only eat reclining? Very good. Thank you very much. The four questions are designed to help us understand the Passover. So we'll answer those questions. Both during... It is a both a duty and a privilege to answer the four questions of the Passover and to recite the mighty works of our faithful God, the matzah. On all other nights, we eat bread with leaven, but on the Passover, we eat only matzah, unleavened bread. As the children of Israel fled from Egypt, they did not have time for their dough to rise. Instead, in the hot desert, the hot desert sun baked it flat. But even more than that, the scriptures teach us about the leaven symbolized in sin. So now we all read. Hmm? 
During this season of Passover, let us break our old habits of sin and selfishness and begin fresh, new, and a holy life. I need some matzo. This is the bread of affliction which our forefathers ate. Thank you. Our forefathers ate the poor bread which our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Let all who hunger come and eat, and let all who are in need share in the hope of the Passover. The three matzahs wrapped together for the Passover, there are various explanations of the ceremony. The rabbis call these three unity. Some consider the unity of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Others explain that the unity of worship of the priests, the Levites, and the people of Israel. We must know the Messiah can see the unique triune unity of God Father, God the Father, Son, and Spirit, three in one. In the matzah, we see a picture of Messiah as a stripe. Now, if you'll notice... There's actually three sections in the matzah, and it's striped and it's pierced. And it represents by his stripes we are healed and we are pierced for our transgressions. And that was the way it was from the beginning. And, that, and then Isaiah spoke about that um, scripture, and we know that that was pointing towards Jesus. And what they did is they... We're going to get to that at the Hapakim, but they're going to break it into three pieces, um, and that's what they're talking about, the three pieces of matzah. So now we all read on page 13. That he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And then we see how the matzah is pierced, and we all read again. Break the matzah. And that's actually how the Lord would have done it at the Last Supper, is break that matzah. Just as the middle piece of, is, of, the, of affliction is broken, Messiah too was afflicted and broken. One half is now called the Apachim, the coming one, and is wrapped in a white cloth at Messiah's as Messiah's body was wrapped in the burial cloth. Now this is called the Afikoman. And what I need now this represents Jesus' body being wrapped in the, in, the, in the white linen, put in the tomb, and out of our sight for three days. And so, as part of the Passover, I need all the young people to close and hide their eyes. 
Okay? Because we're going to hide the Afkim and put it... So all the young people have their eyes closed and... Now the kids can open their eyes. Just as the Alpha came and will return to complete the Passover, Seder, the sinless Messiah rose from the dead to ascend to heaven. Now we want to break up the matzah and distribute it amongst the table. Just, just break it up and... Barukata Adonai Elinanu Melaka Haleom Hamatsa Leham Min Harasit. Blessed are you, O Lord, God, ruler of the universe, who brings forth the bread of the earth. And we all eat the matzah. The morrow. The bitter herbs. On all other nights, the answer to the second question, on all other nights we eat all kinds of vegetables, but on Passover we eat only mara, bitter herbs. As sweet as our lives are today, let us still remember how bitter life was for the children of Israel in the land of Egypt. So if you look at the center of the table on your plate, you see some horseradish, bitter herbs. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the field. We'll take another piece of matzah. Everyone take a piece and put a little bit of the, the, the horseradish on there. And if you want to put a lot of horseradish, we have, I think we may have a little bit more. So. so if you want to eat extra horseradish, okay. But put a little bit of the horseradish. I'm going to make one for me, Lydia. Thank you. As we scoop some of the mara onto a piece of matzah, let us all, let it allow the bitter to taste to cause us to shed tears of compassion for sorrow that our ancestors knew for thousands of years. Blessed are you, O Lord God, ruler of the universe, who has come, has set us apart by his word, and commanded us to eat the bitter herbs. We all eat. We'll wait.
I like horse races. So. It's okay to drink your tea if you need to. The Hara said, On all other nights we do not dip our vegetables, not even once, but tonight we dip them twice. We have already dipped the parsley into salt water. Notice on your place you have the Hara set. That's the apple stuff, folks. That's the good stuff. The children of Israel were toiled to make treasures, cities for Pharaoh, and work with brick and clay. We remember this task missing called Kharaset. It was from chopped apples, honeys, nuts, and wine. Let's once again scoop some of the bitter herbs onto a small pizza matzah, but this time, before we eat it, dip it into the, the, her, dip the herbs into the Kharaset. So do the same thing with the cracker and the, um, of the uh, horseradish, but then put some of the apple stuff on top. Yes. That's where you get the term bittersweet. <laughs> just, just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Well, you can do parsley. I don't care. Either one works. All right. We dip the bitter herbs into Harriset to remind our set. That's why it's the bitter herbs. We dip it into the uh, to remind ourselves that the most bitter of circumstances can be can be sweetened by the hope of God. We all eat. While they were reclining at the table, Yeshua said to them, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely not I. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me, the unleavened bread. The reclining was something they did. They would actually sit on the ground, and they would lean against each other as they reclined. It was a very very family-oriented posture, the way they ate. On all other nights, they said, we eat sitting up or reclining, but tonight we eat reclining. At the first Passover was celebrated by the people who were enslaved. And we all read, the children of Israel were instructed to eat the Passover in haste with their loins girded, with their staffs in their hands, their sandals on their feet, awaiting departure from the bondage of Egypt. Today, we all may recline and freely enjoy the Passover Seder.
The story of the Passover is a story of miracles and the story of redemption. A story that might that the mighty power of God to overcome evil. And we're going to have some leader, some people do some readings. Can we turn that other microphone on? The Lord had promised the land of Israel to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yet here were the children of Egypt. The Pharaoh who had come to power feared them. These foreigners in our midst are prospering and have grown numerous, he thought. Suppose they join with our enemies and turn against us. Pharaoh decided to exert greater control over this people, imposing harsh and bitter slavery upon the Israelites. Still... God blessed his people in strength and number. Pharaoh grew more frightened and ordered every baby boy among the Israelites to be drowned in the Nile River. One Israelite couple hid their little boy for three months. Finally, entrusting his future to God, they set him in a basket and placed him upon the river. His sister Miriam watched as he floated downstream. Coming upon the basket, Pharaoh's daughter took pity on the child and chose to raise him as her own son. She called him Moses, meaning drawn from the water. Moses grew and became aware of the travail of his people. One day, in a rage, he lost control of himself and killed an Egyptian who was beating a Hebrew slave. Fleeing the palace and the eye of Pharaoh, Moses became a shepherd in the land of Midian, far from the cries of his suffering brothers. The Lord, however, saw the affliction of the children of Israel and heard their groaning. He would rise up a deliverer to lead them out of bondage. It was then that he appeared to Moses in the midst of a bush that burned with fire, yet was not consumed. Moses drew close and listened as God commissioned him to go to the Pharaoh. Fearful and reluctant, still Moses agreed to bring God's message to the king of Egypt. Let my people go. Thank you, Kate. Cups of the Plague. Moses left the wilderness to return to Pharaoh's palace, the very palace where he had been raised. He returned with the message which the Lord had given him. But God himself warned Moses of the resistance that would he would encounter. Page 20. God sent plagues one by one, yet with each plague, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Egyptians became afflicted with discomfort and disease, bane and blight. Still, Pharaoh would not relent. With the tenth and most awful plague, God pierced through the hardness of Pharaoh's impenetrable heart. And let us fill our cups for the second cup, 
Fill the cup as a symbol of joy. Indeed, on this occasion, we are filled with joy at God's mighty deliverance. But let us also remember the great cost at which the redemption was purchased. Lives were sacrificed to bring about the release of God's people from every slavery of Egypt. But far greater price purchased our redemption from slavery into sin, the death of Messiah. And what we're going to do is as we recount the plagues, we're going to dip our finger into the cup and we're going to read three plagues at a time and we're going to... On a plate, please. And or a napkin or a paper towel. Hand me a paper towel, please. All right. We're going to read these together three at a time. Dip your finger in. Blood, frogs, lice. Beast, cattle disease, boils. Hail, locust, darkness, death of the firstborn. Okay, that's enough. Do not drink the cup yet. The Passover lamb. Rabbi Gamaliel teaches us of Rabbi Saul, the apostle Paul, taught that in recounting the Passover story, one must be certain to mention three things. The unleavened bread, the bitter herbs, the Passover lamb. This shank bone represents the lamb whose blood marked the houses of the children of Israel, signifying their obedience to God's command. Reader 1. On the tenth day of this month, Each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then there are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with the bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. We are all reminded by Moses that it was the Lord himself who redeemed the children of Israel from slavery. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a great terror and a miraculous, with miraculous signs and wonders, Deuteronomy 26.8. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt. 
I will strike down every firstborn, both men and animal. I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. Since the temple in Jerusalem no longer stands, lamb is not eaten at Passover. The shank bone is to remind us of the sacrificial lamb. Likewise, we have a roasted egg, which has been added to the Seder. It is called the Hajjah, named to signify the special holiday offering. Is the egg which regards a symbol of mourning, reminding us of the destruction of the second temple. It is also considered by many to denounce the new birth, to denote the new birth of an eternal life, since the egg shape shows no beginning or no end. The roasted egg may be eaten later during the Seder meal. Page 25. How great is the goodness for each of us, for it is his acts of mercy and kindness which we declare Dianu, which means it would have been sufficient. If the Lord had merely rescued us but had not judged the Egyptians, if he had only destroyed their gods but had not parted the Red Sea, if he had only drowned our enemies but had not fed us with manna, if he had only let us go through the desert but had not given us the Sabbath, if he had only given the Torah but not the land of Israel, but the Holy One, blessed be he, provided all these blessings for our ancestors, and not only these but many more. Okay, now drink the second cup and saying Dianu. Dianu. Now this is where we would normally do the actual meal. That's either in a smaller setting or a catered where they serve tables. So we've already done that part. So now what we're going to do is the afikomen. The alpha coma, if the alpha coma had been stolen, it needs to be ransomed back by one of the children. Stolen by one of the children, it needs to be ransomed back. It is time for us to share the alpha coma. The desert, the, the dessert, the final food eaten at the Passover, is shared as the Passover lamb was shared. And from the time of the Exodus until the destruction of the temple, it is said the taste of the alpha coma should long linger in our mouths. Messiah broke. Matzah and gave thanks to it. Blessed. Baruchata, well, okay. Blessed are you, O Lord God, 
ruler of the universe, who brings forth the bread. It was Messiah that added these words, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us now eat some matzah. I'm going to need all the kids up front. Okay. And we got some more coming back here. Okay, do you guys remember that I took that piece of matzah bread and I wrapped in that, and that was Yeshua's body as it went into the tomb, yes. and it was hidden from our sight? Yes, I did. Okay. Now, it is somewhere in plain sight in this room. Okay. No pushing, no shoving, no real running, but you all need to look for it. And there. For the, the napkin that has the bread in it, okay? And whoever finds it, I want you to bring it up to me, okay? So go look. Found it. Oh, we have a winner. Now, the Afikoman, as we read, was to be ransomed. There was a price to pay to get it back. And so whatever child finds the Afikoman, they get to sell it back at a price set by me. And so you're going to get $5 as a ransom for the Afikoman. All right. In reality, it's a priceless price. And, and the Alpha Common would have been the, the bread that the Lord would have said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so did that a little bit out of order. Cup of redemption. Let us fill our cups a third time this evening. If you can pour a little for me. That's good. This is the third this is the cup of redemption, symbolizing the blood of the Passover lamb. It is the cup after supper which Messiah identified himself. The prophet Isaiah reminds us, surely the arms of the Lord, the arm of the Lord is not too short to save us. It is our own righteousness that falls short. Through the Lord, though the Lord searched, he could not find he could find no one to intercede. To his own arm worked salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. Yeshua the Messiah lifted up the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant. In my blood, which is poured out for you. Just as the blood of the Lamb 
brought salvation to Egypt, so Messiah's atoning death brings salvation to all who believe. Blessed are you, Lord God, ruler of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Let us gratefully drink. One more for me, please. The prophets, Elijah. There's an extra cup set at the at the table. This cup for is for the pro, Elijah the prophet, Elijah Hanu. At this time, let one of the children open the door and welcome Elijah. Can I have Orion? Orion. And Isaiah, you can open the other door. And we open the door because we're welcoming Elijah in because for the beginning of time, or at the beginning of the Passover, they waited for Elijah to be a part of it. You guys can sit back down. You can put the little things down. And we all read... Elijah did not see death, but he was swept into heaven by a great whirlwind in a chariot of fire. It has been our hope that Elijah will come at Passover to announce Messiah, son of David. Before the birth of John the baptizer, the angel said to the Lord, the angel of the Lord said, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will make ready the people prepare for the Lord. Later, Yeshua spoke of John. And if you are willing to accept it, He is Elijah who was to come. It was this same John who saw Meshua and declared, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, takes away the sin of the world. Are we fixing to do the fourth cup? Huh? You want to do the fourth cup? Huh? Cup of praise. Let us fill our cups for the fourth time and the last time and give thanks to God, our great Redeemer. Give thanks to the Lord God, for He is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To Him alone does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. The moon and the stars to govern the night. To him who st- struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. To him who delivered, divided the Red Seas asunder and brought Israel through the midst of it. 
that swept Pharaoh and his armies into the Red Sea. To him who led the people through the desert, give thanks to the God of heaven. Psalm 136, 1 through 16 and 26. Let us lift our cups and bless the name of the Lord. Are you, O Lord God, ruler of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine? Our Passover Savior, and everyone drinks. Our Passover Seder is now complete. Just as the redemption is forever complete, let us conclude with a traditional wish that we may celebrate the Passover next year in Jerusalem. And this is real interesting because the Lord said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house there are many mansions. The place we go ultimately is to the new Jerusalem. The place the Lord has prepared for us is the new Jerusalem. So when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we're praying, as the Lord tells us, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You're praying for your future home. Not a, not a bad deal. And we conclude this by saying on the last page, next year in Jerusalem. And that concludes... The Passover supper, we're going to play some music. Thank you. Traditionally, people, if, if you want to do the Jewish dancing, they can. We're going to have some music going in the background. Um, See if anybody has a question. Yeah, before. Two questions. Are there any, anybody have questions? That's a quiet, quiet, quiet crowd. Well, they're thinking of the question. I have a question. Okay. At the Last Supper, when the Lord instituted his table, was that the second, third, or fourth cup? The third cup is where he did the, the um, this is my body, where we now have communion. He did not drink the fourth cup. He promised to drink it. He promised to drink it anew with us when he comes for us. So next year in Jerusalem has a bigger meaning. Looking forward to that fourth cup. All right. A question, anybody? All right. Did a good job, Steve. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Let's fellowship. And uh, about 20 minutes, we'll start cleaning up. So let's just enjoy fellowship right now. Amen. This is interesting. At Passover every year, the Jewish homes that celebrate Passover have an empty chair for Elijah, looking for him to come as a forerunner to the Messiah, not knowing he was John the Baptist. He already came. And the little kids will open the door and holler, Elijah, Elijah. They do this.